right. So we're going to go through the book of Hosea. And Hosea is one of those minor prophets that nobody teaches through. And one of the reasons that most people, or a lot of people, do not want to teach through the minor prophets, they think they're boring, they think they're outdated, they think they're, they're, there's not a good reason to study them, but yet they're in our Bible, so um, God put them there for a reason. And yet Satan doesn't want to read these books. Can anybody tell me why Satan does not want us to read the minor prophets? Because they all teach of his demise. They are a second coming books. Most people do not realize that. But the reason that the whole society and Satan does not want society to read the minor prophets is specifically they talk about his demise. And he does not like that. And so go ahead and turn over in your Bible to Hosea. Hosea is the first one right behind Daniel. Daniel, Hosea. And it's got 14... Well, well, in fact, I'll just go through it here in a minute. We'll see what we have. Today we're only going to get through the first five verses, but I want you to realize that everything in this book has a second coming uh, prophecy. Okay? And once you realize that, we all realize that, the more these books are, are, are important to us. So let me just kind of go through our handout here. It says, Hosea, introduction, it's written about 725 B.C., 14 chapters, 197 verses, 5,175 words, and the author is Hosea. The name Hosea means, I think it's on your book there, it means salvation. Okay? Now you can go ahead and turn turn to page number one on your handout too. So you have two pages there. So if you're on, make sure you're on page one. Okay. So uh, I'll give you a little more things that, than what's on our list here. Um, Hosea lived and he prophesied during the same time as Isaiah and Micah. So his message is primarily to the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember after, after Solomon when his son came up and, and became the new king and then the, the, uh, the, the nation divided. It divided from the northern side to the southern side. So you got the ten northern kingdoms and then Judah and Benjamin was the two on the south. And so he's prophesying to the northern kingdom. Now, if you want to know a little a little uh, information about the northern kingdom, every king they ever had was a bad king. Every one. Jeroboam started the kingdom up. In fact, God helped him get set up, but he disobeyed what God said. And every king after him in the northern kingdom was just a bad king. They just always did what was wrong. And it was like it was kind of like I don't. I said I wasn't going to say things about governments and, and entities today. But it's like when people get in power, they will do nothing. They will stop at nothing to keep that power that they have. That's what happened to the northern kingdom. When the kings got in, it was like they would do whatever it took to keep their power, even if it meant putting up a false idol and getting the people in the northern kingdom to worship a false idol. That's pretty strong, isn't it? No wonder God's upset with them. 
I mean, he is really upset with this group. So God refers to Israel in this book as Ephraim because Ephraim was the first tribe in the northern kingdom to backslide and walk away from God. Okay, so I'm giving you a lot of info here. So, you know, I don't expect you to understand or remember everything. But, you know, that's why we have handouts. So, number one, you have Hosea. I think this is on your on your sheet here somewhere. Well, we'll probably catch up to it in a minute. But anyway, let me go through it. You have Hosea as a picture of God and Gomer as a picture of of Israel. It's what we see in this book. So God often compares his relationship to Israel to that of a marriage. So Israel is the wife of God and the church is the bride of Christ. Okay? So Hosea lays out an emphasis on Israel's repentance and the restoration at the second coming of Christ. So over and over in the minor prophets you're going to see the the, the people go AWOL you're going to see God judge them and you're going to see them repent and then you're going to see God restore them. And so you'll go through the whole book and you may go, it may have 15, it may have 30 chapters and 30 chapters will just be nothing but apostasy and God just smacking them. And at the very last couple verses you'll see God brings them back together. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Israel at the end of the tribulation. They are going to go completely against God. And finally at the end they wake up and realize that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and they'll come back and God will restore them. And so the theme all the way through the Minor Prophets is that even though Israel has gone in apostasy, God will bring them back. They will come back. So even when the nation uh, with under Jeremiah get carried, the southern nation gets carried into captivity. He tells Jeremiah to go buy some land. And he's like, what, what do you want me to go buy land for? We're getting ready to go into a, a foreign country. And God's like, I want you to realize I will restore things. So over and over you'll see that same theme all the way through here. And that's very important because today there are a lot of churches and a lot of pastors that will get up and say, God's done with Israel. And it's all for the church. Well, they're not reading their Bible They're not reading Revelation. They're not reading the Minor Prophets because every one of them will give that theme back again that God will restore His people at at some point. Okay, So Hosea lays an emphasis on Israel's repentance and the restoration of the second coming of Christ. And so um, I was going to write this on the board here for just a minute. I have a timeline up here of the prophets, uh, the kings, and and some land. So if you guys ever want to look at that, you can come up and look at it. I'll see if I can get it up a little higher. But basically, um, again, what happens all the way through the minor prophets is apostasy. Okay, the people go AWOL. They go away from God. They start they start worshiping false gods. Okay, so they go into apostasy, and God judges them. Okay, and then after that, they repent, and then restoration. It's kind of like our life when we when we go away from God. We do a First John one nine. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? We do something wrong, we get judged by that, and then we repent, and God makes it right. Same thing with the nation of Israel. Okay? So, bear with me a little bit. So, uh, let's set the stage for Hosea. Let me see what's on your handout here. Page number one. So, the name Hosea means salvation. And uh, Hosea lived and prophesied during the time of Isaiah and Micah. I think I've already said that. The northern tribe. Hosea is a picture of God. Did you put that in your blank? And Gomer is a picture of Israel. And the church, that's your blank that goes in that next blank, is a picture of the bride of Christ. Okay. So the main theme that goes through the minor prophets is Israel's national restoration. Okay. God's judgment on them, repentance, and then a reconciling to God. So that also goes in your blank. So let's look at the basic outline for the book of Hosea. Chapter 1, we see an unfaithful wife to a faithful husband. You wouldn't think you'd see that in a a book in the Bible, would you? An unfaithful wife to a faithful husband. Number 2, from chapters 4 to 7, we see an unfaithful Israel and a faithful God. And then chapters 8 through 10, we see the judgment of Israel for their unfaithfulness. And then again, chapter 11 through 14, the restoration of Israel. Okay. So let's go ahead and we've kind of got the, the outline and everything I want to go through. Let's go ahead and read the first five. We don't even have to go five verses into Hosea before we start seeing major prophecies. So let's go ahead and read that, and then we're going to break it down and see what else we can find this morning. It says, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Barry, the son of, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Now who is Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah? Anybody tell me? They're kings of Judah. Okay, which it says right there, kings of Judah. Okay. And in the days of Jeroboam the son of Joash, king of Israel. So it's it's really nailing down the time period that, that he lived. And this Jeroboam is not the first Jeroboam of the land. It's the second Jeroboam. So you have to go back and you know that because of who his father is. He is the son of Joash, king of Israel. Verse 2. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. The Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, And children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and he took Gomer. Now ladies, nobody in here named Gomer, is there? That'd be a rough name anyway. But anyway, go and take... He took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to seize the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So there's a lot of things taking place right here in that, okay? So, 
um, like I said, number one, Hosea's name means salvation, but that's also the same name as somebody else in our Old Testament. That sound like anybody else's name? Joshua. Same name. Same name as Jesus, actually. Okay. We find that back in Numbers 13.8. So, we see that, and I think I'm repeating myself quite a bit, so just bear with me. So, his name means salvation. And again, he is a prophet that the God just raised up and says, I want you to go talk to these people and tell them what I want them to do. But not only that, he says, I want you to take a wife of whoredoms. Did, I put, did that go in your blank? Did we fill that blank out yet? Okay. So, what does that mean? Take a wife that's a prostitute. Wow. Now, there are a lot of Bible commentators that go, that can't be right, because God just wouldn't ask somebody to do that. That's what the book says. That's what we're going to believe. What's that? Now, now, now think about Hosea. Now, I don't know what kind of an upbringing he had. Do you think it was hard for him to do that? Yeah. I mean, it was just like, God, are you sure, God? Are you sure you're talking to me, God? Yeah, did you say that right? You know, you know, Isaiah, you told him to walk around naked for three and a half years. I don't know which one I'd want to do, would rather do. I hope I don't have to choose, but I mean, can you imagine that? And so, but he does that. He obeys God. Verse 3, so Hosea obeys God. That's another thing that's very, uh, that you're seeing here. I mean, his prophet is obeying him in what he says, even when it's pretty outrageous. And they have a son in verse 3. And well, let me back up. Verse 2 on your handout says, Hosea is told to by God to take a wife of whoredoms for the land hath committed whoredoms or a whoredom departing from the Lord. So he's going to use Hosea as a object lesson. Now I think if God was telling me that I'd say God don't use me for an object lesson. Can I just tell him? And But he's like no I want you to be the object lesson. And so remember last week I, I gave you a definition of, of a prophet Anybody remember where I told you to go to? I think half the class wasn't here last week. Uh, Go to Haggai chapter 1. Another Old Testament prophet, and i got to find it myself. I keep passing it up. Haggai. Chapter 1 and verse 13. I'll help you out. 1142. That's the page number. Okay. You were here last week, right? I said this is a really good definition of a prophet. Verse 13 says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger... That's what a prophet is. He's the Lord's messenger. But here's the next part. I want you to get this. In the Lord's message... And remember I told you last week, if you were here, why does it say in the Lord's message? Doesn't it say with the Lord's message? It should say. No, no, no. What about Hosea? 
He is living in it. God is using him as an object lesson in the prophecies that he's giving to the people. So he is a messenger that is living inside that message. Wow. I mean, the minor prophets and the prophets that God had, they lived it out. You know, they were they were the tough guys of the group. You know, they wasn't a bunch of wimpy guys. We talked about that. So so here we have Hosea. He he's going to obey God, and so he has he takes this woman, Gomer, to be his wife, and they have a son. And his name is what? Back in the back in the chapter. His name is Jezreel. Okay. Now, that's very important. We probably won't go much past that today. So we have several stories going on here. We have, we have Hosea is told to marry a prostitute. They have a son. God, and who names his son? The Lord does. Now, that doesn't always happen. We just went through the book of Ruth. They didn't always get the name from the Lord, did they? A lot of times it was from the parents or it was from the neighbors. It was somebody else. Here the Lord names the son. So there's a specific reason why he does that. Okay? So God uses... He he has a son and he calls him Jezreel. And his meaning of the name means scattered by God. So again... God is going to use this boy and the name of this boy to be an object lesson. Scattered of God. So just think in your wildest dreams, Israel is going into apostasy. These ten northern kingdoms are, are going against God. So they're going, to, they're going to go away from God and what's God going to do to them? He is going to scatter them. He is using this boy as a prophecy to, sh- to reveal that he is going to scatter these people. And this is what happens. You get In your handout there, verse 4 says, God uses the name Jezreel to declare God's judgment on the house of Jehu for his murderous ways, which is another story in the, in the midst of all this, and the scattering of Israel in the judgment, or in his judgment. Within 30 years... That goes in your blank. Within 30 years of of, uh, uh, Hosea given this prophecy, the nation, the northern nation, is carried away into uh, Assyria. They are no more. So God is going to scatter them. So if you remember history, the the northern kingdom went into uh, slavery, went into uh, captivity, way before the southern kingdom did. Okay, so he, within thirty years of Hosea prophesying this, the nation, the northern kingdom, would be taken into captivity. Okay, so you don't want to just you know take my word for it. Let's go back to Second Kings, and we're going to find out where that happened. 2 Kings chapter 18. So even though we're back in the minor prophets, the time that is happening historically is back in the book of Kings. So way back earlier in the Bible. So 2 Kings chapter 18. And I want to read 9 through 12. 
And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, I butchered that all up, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. Again, Samaria would be the northern kingdom. Verse 10, And at the end of three years they took it, even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away, carry away Israel unto Assyria, and he put them in Hala and in Habor by the river of Gozen and in the cities by the Medes. So why did God do that? Read verse 12. Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed His covenant and all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded and would not hear them, nor what do them. So why was the northern kingdom carried away? Because they went away from God and they wouldn't even do what God had asked them to do. And God says, okay, I'll take my protection off you guys and you're going to get carried away as a slave to a foreign land. Okay, I, I wasn't going to get there today. I'm not. I'm telling you, I'm not getting on any of that. Uh, so anyway, so what's so we see that taking place here. So back to the book of Hosea. Okay, so right off the bat, within five verses, we have like four stories going on at the same time. We have we have we have Hosea marrying this prostitute, we have them having a son, we have the nation of Israel being prophesied that it's going to be carried away. Uh we got all kinds of things going on. So let's go back and see if we can unpack that just a little bit. Okay? So verse five. Let's get to there and then I'll back up just a minute. And it can and it shall come to pass at that day. Okay, so for all you prophecy people, what does that term that day mean? Anybody? That day is a term that always is a reference to the second coming. Always. Always. That day. Okay? So now, we have that day in the middle of this verse. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Now we don't just have a boy or a, a son by the name of Jezreel. Now we have a valley of Jezreel. So what does all that mean? Okay. Basically what we have here is a double prophecy foretelling the downfall of the northern kingdom and the downfall of the Antichrist kingdom. Right here. Both of which take place, now get this, in the Valley of Jezreel. Okay. How many of you have heard of the Valley of Jezreel before? Do you know where it is? Okay. You see, you gotta, you gotta put all this together. The Valley of Jezreel is just the east side of the Valley of Megiddo. Has anybody heard of the Valley of Megiddo? Armageddon. Same valley, just on the other side. So it's basically in that same valley. And so wait a minute here. There's a lot of things popping up here in this valley. So we, again, we got to go back and see what we can find out. So uh, we have we have all kinds of things going on. So let's go back to verse 4. Jezreel. What does that mean, name mean? Well, basically means God sows 
God planteth or God scattereth. And that's the one I'm going to kind of focus on. Because God is going to scatter the people. So here, it's used here to show, number one, God's plan of revenge for Jehu. Now wait a minute, who's this Jehu guy in this book? Does it say anything about a Jehu so so far? Yeah, verse 4. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, that's the boy, for yet a little while I will avenge the blood of Jezreel. Okay, what what are we talking about here? Are we talking about the boy? Are we talking about the land? Are we talking about a person? And it said, And upon the house of Jehu. So who's this guy Jehu? And will cause to seize the kingdom of the house of Israel. So let me go back and give you a little history on Jehu. There was a man. Let me see if I can get to my notes here. There was a man that was the most evil king there was in the northern kingdom. And his name was Ahab. Does that ring a bell? Okay, Ahab. And he had this nasty wife. Remember her? Anybody give me her name? You know her name, Chad? Carrie, what's her name? Jezebel. Jezebel. Jezebel, remember? She was nasty. I mean, she like I said, she was worse than, than Margaret on Dennis the Menace. I mean, she was bad. Okay? So turn over in your Bible. Let's go back to 1 Kings and let's see if we can dig some information up on this. So 1 Kings chapter 21. So who is this guy named Jehu? What does he have to do with Ahab? Um, What does he have to do with Jezreel? I mean, what is going on here with everything we're seeing? 1 Kings 21. So we're going to go back and we'll just enlighten the story of the king here with Ahab and Jezebel. So I'm going to read this whole chapter, so just just hang with me. It says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the, what's it say? Jezreelite. Why? Because he lived in the valley of Jezreel. Okay. Had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came unto his house, heavy and displeased, because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed, and turned away his face, and would eat no bread. And he has a little temper tantrum right there on his bed. Okay? Verse 5. But Jezebel... His wife came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I have spoken to Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? 
Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, and sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters, saying, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial. Now what does Belial mean? Anybody know? Words are important. The devil. Yeah. So she says, And set two men of sons of Belial before him to bear witness against him, false witness, that thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. Okay. And the men of his city, even the elders of the nobles who were the inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent unto him, and as it was written in the letters which he had sent unto them. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him, and the men of Belial witnessed against him. So they have a false witness. Then the Bible say something that you should not, you know, proclaim a false witness. Okay, they didn't take heed to that. And even against Namath in the presence of the people, saying, Namath did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Now, how would you like that? Somebody comes to your house. They said, I want to buy your land. You don't do it. We'll have a big feast for you. We're going to come and celebrate how great you are and then accuse you of blaspheming God. And then they just pull you out and stone you. I mean, that's, that's wicked, right? Then they, sent Jeze- then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, verse 15, when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab arose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. Oh, now we have another prophet in the mix. The Tishbite saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel which is in Samaria. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth, whether he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord. He goes, basically, you're going to give him a message from me. Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord. In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Now at this point, we're all jumping up and down, going, yay, we're going to get rid of that mean bad Ahab. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? I always like that. Have you ever noticed that the kings in the Bible that have prophets come and tell them what God says, and they don't like what God says, they always call them their enemy. I think if I had a prophet coming to tell me what God wanted me to do, I think I'd probably do it. But again, they're evil. So they always think that God's prophets are their enemy. That's what Ahab says. Has thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, 
I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel, and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, that's two kings before him, of the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Again, do you see the name Jezreel over and over in this passage? Verse 24, Him that dieth of Ahab in the city the dog shall eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. But there was... Ooh, there's some prophecy right there. There is prophecy all over this passage if you're just looking for it, okay? Verse 25. But there was none like unto Ahab which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes, and put his sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went softly. So he repents. I don't like it when the bad guy repents, do you? I want to just nail that guy. But if, if that's the case, then I'd be nailed, so... They can't do that. Verse 28, And the word of the Lord came to Elisha the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbled himself, humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. So we've kind of got back. We're trying, trying to figure out who this... Why did God name... Uh, Hosea's son Jezreel what has to do with the story it has to do with the place where the story takes place it has to do with Ahab and it has to do with Jehu now I could read another two or three chapters to tell you a little bit about Jehu but let me see if I can just read it out of my notes here and uh, not have to read the whole thing okay so basically I may just do it in my own words here in a minute that we know that in 1 Kings 21.19. So let's turn over to that. 1 Kings 21.19. Now we read that, didn't we? So I'm trying to figure out where uh, where Ahab and, and Jezebel are killed. Let me see if I can find that. Ahab is slain in battle. That's in 22. And let me see it. Well, Ahab gets killed in battle in chapter 22, but I'm trying to find out what happens to his wife. I may just have to tell you what happens. Remember... um, when, when Ahab is killed in battle, but it goes on for several years. Jehu happens to be the captain of the host for Ahab. So he's the captain of his army. So after Ahab dies in battle, because God said he wouldn't bring judgment upon him till, till his sons was in, and then his son gets on the throne, Jehu is still the captain of the guard. But at one point, God is going to go 
send a prophet to tell Jehu, I want you to go wipe out the king. I want you to go do it. And Jehu does that. Okay, In fact, Jehu does it a little bit too well. (laughs) He wipes everybody out. He wipes out the king's son. He wipes out Ahab's son. Uh, he, he is actually there when um, he has Jezebel thrown down from the tower. That is Jehu who's there. And then he just basically cleans up in the northern kingdom and he becomes the next king. The problem was he killed so many people that God was mad at him. And so, um, let me see if I can read through this a little bit. Ahab dies in battle as it was predicted in 1 Kings 21.19 and Jezebel lost her life when someone threw her out the upper window at the request of Jehu. And although God had planned for Jehu to be the avenger, like I said, he took his position too far and he killed way too many people, thus bringing God's judgment upon him. Again, that power thing. God sent a prophet. He told Jehu, I want you. Ahab is dead. The son's king. Ahab's son is now the king. But remember, I said I was going to wipe out his, his, uh, his family line. So I want you to go do that, and I want you to be the king. Well, when he did that, like I said, he went on a bloodbath and just wiped half the people out. And God was not happy with him. But he did that because he wanted to keep his power. Okay? And so, historically, this all happened around 722 B.C. But guess what? Ahab was killed in the valley of Jezreel. Jehu takes, uh, takes his vengeance out on the rest of the people in the valley of Jezreel. Everything is taking place in this valley. So, again... It's in the valley of Armageddon. Same valley. Okay, God's trying to teach us here something. So historically this happened. The Assyrian army came in and took them and defeated them. Guess what the last place they defeated them at? The Jezreel Valley. So all these battles keep taking place over and over and over again in the Jezreel Valley. But it will also be the last place where the Antichrist fights with, with Christ at, at the last, at the Jezreel Valley, the Megiddo Valley. Okay. And then you also have Jesus several times talking about a vineyard. Now, if we go back to Mark, let's see if I can find my notes. In Mark, Jesus talks about a man in his vineyard. He's talking about Namath. And so, let me get back to where we're at, because I think I'm butchering this all over the place, guys. So, we have the word of the Lord. Let me just read this again. That came unto Hosea, the son of Beria, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah and in the days of Jeroboam the son of Joash king of Israel the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea and the Lord said unto Hosea go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and the children of whoredoms for the land hath committed great whoredoms departing from the Lord so he goes again we're going to we're going to revisit this next week when we start back uh, in the next lesson, but he's basically saying, okay, so I want you to have an object lesson here, 
I want you marrying a prostitute because that's what the people have done to me. I want you to know, Hosea, how I feel when when the nation did it to me. And so you're going to know how I feel so you can go and tell the people because you're going to feel the same way I feel. That's pretty strong. But that's what's going on. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of, like I said, verse 3, and Dibblim, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. So we've kind of seen that take place. We see that Ahab is going to get wiped out by, or did get wiped out by Jehu, but yet we're going to see Jehu get wiped out. And I will cause to seize the kingdom of the house of Israel, and it shall come to pass at that day. Now wait a minute, now we're just bouncing over again. We're going over from Ahab, we're going over from Jehu, we're just bouncing over again. Now we're really talking about the second coming that's going to take place. He said, And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So again, we see it kind of ties right back in to the second coming. And yet we just got five verses. We're just, we're just at the tip of the iceberg right here. So I don't know if i got any more info I can give you here. I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 12, 1 and 2, and we'll start wrapping things up. Mark chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. 1 through 12, I'm sorry. And he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard. And he set a hedge about it, and digged a place for the wine fat, and built a tower, and led it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. And at the season he sent to the husband a servant, that he might receive from the husband of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him, and they beat him, and they sent him away empty. And again he sent unto them another servant, and at that him they cast stones, and wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully handled. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some, and killing some. Having yet therefore one son and his beloved, he sent him unto last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said unto themselves, This is the heir, come let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him, and they killed him, and they cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen, and will give the vineyard unto others. And have ye not read this scripture, the stone which the builders rejected become the head of the corner? This was the Lord's doing. And it was marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left him and went their way. Okay. So what we saw back here with with Hosea, 
what we saw with Jezreel, his son, what we saw with Jehu, what we saw with Ahab and, and uh, what was her name again? Jezebel. Jezebel. What we saw with all that was just a picture of what Christ is going to show us here in this parable. Same thing. So what's going on in this parable that Jesus is talking about? He's basically saying, I'm sending my servants and you guys are killing them. The servants in that parable are the prophets. That's what Jesus is trying to tell them. He goes, you guys. And it just so happens to be in a vineyard. Okay? And then when they sent the son, who's the son? Jesus. Jesus. So this is a prophetic picture of the children of Israel as they too hired false witnesses against the owner of the vineyard, just like Ahab. So don't miss that. We already know Ahab's the bad guy. Israel's doing the same thing. They did the same thing with Jesus when he was here, okay? And so it's a prophetic picture of the children of Israel as they too hired false witnesses against the owner of the vineyard. Oh, when Jesus went on trial, didn't they bring people in to accuse him? Men of Belial that that came in to accuse him and talk about him blaspheming. And remember, it was the high priest that that one of the guys said, well, we heard that he said he'd tear the temple down and destroy it within three days and build it back up. And the high priest goes, that's it. That's all we need. We don't need any more witnesses. Okay? And the cry of the Israelites, His blood be upon us and our children, will be answered. Okay? And we've seen that from there all the way till now. From Remember when, when they sent Jesus away to be crucified and, and they go, um, I think it was Pilate, says, what, what has he done? And, you know, why, why do you want me to send him? And, and they basically said, let his blood be upon us and our children. And it has been for the last 2,000 years. But that's not the end of it. At During the tribulation, the Jews also will be, the blood will be upon them. Almost all the people in the Jews, all the people in the tribulation that are Jewish, most of them will get killed. Because they're not following the Lord. Okay? And so what we will see is ultimately the ultimate end at the battle of Armageddon or the the battle of Jezreel. Now, this valley is also the scene of a victory gained by the Israelites under Gideon in the Midnights, back in the book of Judges. And over and over and over in the Bible, you'll see this valley always in battles, always coming up for judgment, time in and time out. So I think I'll stop right there today. So the Valley of Jezreel basically is the same valley as Armageddon. Israel will be rescued by a judge in the army with no direct part in the operation. Okay. Same thing they did with back in Judges. Remember in Judges, there was a group of people that came in and there was a battle and it was fought by Deborah and Gideon and that group. 
and it wasn't their army that, that, that defeated the enemy. In fact, almost all the battles in the book of Judges, it was never their own strength. It was always God's. And what's that a picture of? Again, the second coming when Christ comes, that last battle will be defeated, and it's going to be Christ doing all the defeating. It won't be Israel saving themselves. It'll be Christ coming in at the last minute and saving them. And it's just interesting how all these fit together if you're paying attention. Okay, So we'll, we'll keep on that next week. We'll, we'll go a little bit farther. Uh, man, we just went five verses in Hosea and we're already deep into prophecy. But yet it, it's, it's interesting how the things in the past and the present and the future all tie together in this one place. So let's pray and we'll, we'll get out of here. Father in heaven, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you uh, for the Bible that we have that is so deep, Lord. And I just pray that we could just, that you just help us to see the, the truth in your word, the, the depth in your word, and how your Bible and your book fits together, and Lord, how we need to live our life by it, Lord. And I just pray that each one that's in here today, that you would give us opportunities to, this week to... Uh, to get the gospel out, to tell people about Christ, to just to be the example that we need to be. So uh, let's pray for that. Pray for all the people on our on our list that's hurting. Pray for Bobby as she leaves to to go back to uh, back east. And so we just pray for her, and we just ask your blessing upon the rest of our service in Christ's name. Amen. give you one.